Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, I didn't go into work today. Took a sick day. I've been taking a few of those lately. Just have been using them up and uh, walk into my local coffee shop. And I look over and I see this car parked at a house about uh, two houses down from the same block. And notice on the back of this car, it's got some some sticker decals in the rear window. Not bumper stickers, but like right in the back of the window. Uh, and the first one says, White Pride. And I, I, that kind of caught my eye. And then um, right above it and below it were two different numbers. One was the number 14 and the other was the number 88. 88. Which if you know anything about Nazis, those those are their two favorite numbers. Uh, and then below that in, in giant like uh, old... Um, you know, House of Pain, uh, uh, gothic-looking, old-timey uh, characters. It says Fourth Reich. So, uh, yeah, loud and clear. <laughs> not, not really trying to trying to finesse it. Um, and the, there was a full rent sign out front. So I don't know if that was somebody who just moved in. I doubt it. Or if it was like the landlord of the building just stopped by <laughs> that day, or or what. But I, I mean, I live in a predominantly black neighborhood. So if that's somebody that moved into the neighborhood, they're in for a surprise i don't think they did the research before they came in <laughs> if that's the case because that car is going to get vandalized pretty fucking fast it's sitting like, like almost I, right I, on the street even if you believe in that shit and you're and you're that much of a fucking mongoloid like what what possible what would possibly possess you to actually advertise how big of a fucking nazi you are like that's people in their cars in america that's where they got to display their politics on their giant big expensive throbbing you know, display of power right there. And it was a Cadillac too. It was like, you put fucking window bumper stickers on a fucking Cadillac. Like that's just tacky enough, let alone being what a fucking a Nazi. Shit, <laughs> He's like, driving a Cadillac with a fucking fourth Reich stickers. But that, he probably has a fucking like visible swastika somewhere, a tattoo somewhere. Like that, if, if you're that out oh, front yeah. with, with your shit, like there's no way that guy's not probably. an actual fucking probably. Aryan brotherhood guy, you know? Well, I'm going to check and see if it's there again tomorrow. If it's there multiple days in a row, then it's clearly somebody new moved into the neighborhood. So we'll we'll see how long that car lasts. It's a shame (laughs) if something happened to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, somebody asked me, like, would you throw a rack at it? I was like, no, I'm white. I'll leave that pleasure for somebody who really fucking, you know, who deserves to get uh, taken out on that fucking car. I mean, hey, you know, you know, if it's still parked there overnight, you know, when 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 nobody's going to come out and shoot you, uh, you know, might not be. the worst thing in the world if something bad happened to it. Not saying you hey, have to do it. You're you know, I don't somebody. like cars anyway, so Nazi car? I wouldn't have too many qualms about <laughs> fucking that thing up. Uh, um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm kind of tired. I don't really feel like traipsing out my undergarments to, to go uh, survey the the uh, Fourth Reich's Cadillac, but um, I'll, I'll check it out tomorrow. I would work. Yeah. <laughs> do, some, do some Nazi crimes. <laughs> Um, but I was gonna say no, no one would actually convict you of it. But actually, no, that's probably <laughs> there's a good chance that the cop to come in to convict you would have been his fucking off duty car. So, right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking, fucking the uh, alternate squad car. So, um, yeah, let's let's get into the news of the week. Um, a couple just quick little hits. Uh, you know, right before we went on air, uh, it came out that Chelsea Manning uh, is released finally from uh, the Virginia jail she was being held in. Uh, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, it's, I guess, temporary because the grand jury uh, statute had expired on the on the charge she was being held for. 
uh, for the previous grand jury, which she was, you know, refusing to testify for. So she could be subpoenaed again and sent back to jail. Oh yeah. There's already been a new, a new grand jury trial uh, convened for like a week from today. So uh, it'll be just, you know, rest of her life. She's going to be hunted. They're just never going to fucking leave her alone. And the great, you know, oh, it's sure. not somebody who said something about like, well, why can't she just post bail? Like there is no bail to post when you're forced into jail for, you know, to be compelled to testify yeah. that you haven't committed a crime. It's, it's purely a form of coercion. It's not a form of punishment. Right. And it's, you know, they can do this whenever they want to, they can do it every month the rest of her life. life yeah the rest of her life so yeah i mean we, we were talking off air you know on the on the group dms just saying like hey like now's the time to flee the country because they're just going to keep doing it yeah no I, like she should honestly just go to russia because you know snowden seems to be doing okay and hasn't really been uh much of a threat to be exp- uh to be extradited uh you know there was there was chatter about that at the beginning but that i think a, a lot of that was like the media with their, you know, Trump is Putin's puppet and his buddy speculation, like, oh, maybe Putin has a gift to Trump. But like, it was never an actual threat by Putin uh, to, to send Snowden back to the U.S. So I really think that would be the safest place for her if she could travel. I don't even know if they'll, they probably wouldn't let her out of the country. I'm sure she would have to. They'd probably have to be, drive to Canada be and smuggled, fly out of Canada. Yeah, yeah be smuggled out unfortunately wikileaks isn't around to fucking help her like they did with snowden because now assange is in fucking jail so it's like literally the worst thing you can do in america is tell the fucking truth about the government like it's the one thing you'll actually be held accountable for you could fucking murder you know millions of civilians you could order you know torture you could do anything you could any fucking heinous act you can imagine you can sell weapons to terrorists in the 80s uh and go to jail for it and then become a correspondent on fox news yeah or 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 get back into the government like elliot abrams it's just like fucking unreal but just that incompetent they'll take him back (laughs) (laughs) and yeah the only thing you could do that i'll actually uh send you the prison for is is tell the truth about all these horrible people so you know fuck the government fuck cia hopefully the king (laughs) yeah right (laughs) hopefully chelsea uh you know Get, gets out of this fucking hellhole country because they're never going to let her rest. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, what other quick hits do we have? Oh, so, uh, you know, I haven't been following politics too closely this week. I've been uh, more interested in Westerosi politics than any kind of American politics. It's it's, it's really hard. Well, to... they're, they're better politics. They're more. They are better politics. Yeah. I mean, it's like because it's, it's there's so much more nuance. It's not, you know, cut and dry pure good versus pure evil the way that uh, u.s geopolitics is um typically but yeah it's it's definitely weird to make that transition because they're just like oh yeah what do i do to escape this you know terrible state of world affairs that i watch a show that's about a terrible state of world affairs (laughs) yeah no and i'm more invested like like figuring out the machinations of how to make westeros a better place through geopolitical you know means than than america right now but yeah um but you know somebody that is actually trying to make america a better place uh is bernie and aoc uh they introduced a bill today uh which is uh I don't remember the exact, I don't have the exact name here. I think it was something about like stop the loan sharks act of 2019, something to that effect. Um, and essentially what it is, is a cap on uh, lenders, both payday lenders and credit card companies 
and it says they can't charge you more than a 15% APR. That's the maximum that they can charge you. Right now, the median is like 18%. The mean uh, APR is 21%. I mean, there are people with as high as, you know, 30% APRs. And for people that aren't like, that don't have, you like, you don't, you said you don't have a credit card. Uh, which you're lucky uh, because it fucking yeah. sucks. It's a horrible well, invention. I mean, I, I've always kind of just, you know, never want to spend money that wasn't already in my bank account. I've just always been that way because I'm not good at with my funds, right? So yeah. uh, if I had a credit card, I'd just be like, oh, shit, I'll, I'll have money later. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, so no, I've yeah. always been very frugal with that sense, but so I didn't know if 15% was a lot or a little today. So, uh, but, but those payday loan places, like I've lived in, in poor neighborhoods where every other block, there's another liquor store next to another payday lender. And th- that's just like, you want to talk about a cycle of poverty where you don't have enough money to, to, you know, afford your rent and or food and or liquor because come on, it sucks being poor. Um, and it's like you just basically you're ta- you're you're spending a third of your paycheck on the interest for getting your paycheck, a, you know, a, a two weeks in advance from these yeah. assholes. So, I mean, the, yeah. the, you know, there's no payday lender uh, little huts in the downtown of a major metropolis. You know, it's in the poor, burnt out husk of a city like like, you know, all, most of Detroit is. There's no payday lenders in like Beverly Hills. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna run across one in fucking you know. No. Any. Um. But yeah, and they're extremely predatory. Um. And sometimes they they have such like insane practices in certain states that are like really loose with regulation, especially in the South where they they can charge you you know late fees that amount to up to hundreds of percentages more than what you actually owe them. So you could end up taking a loan out for $400 and owing them $1,200 by the time everything is said and done, you haven't made payments. Like it's fucking insanity. So, um, the, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a great bill. I I think it's tremendous. Uh, and you know, AOC pointed out in the kind of joint video her and Bernie did, uh, which was great that, uh, you know, it, it's common sense. And there's like, in the seventies, we had something called usury laws, uh, and in 78, it actually ended up getting repealed. Uh, unfortunately Carter signed it into law, but it, you know, I think the Congress, you know, passed it through and it got rid of those max interest rates, but there used to be max interest rates, uh, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 15%. And it's fucking insanity that these credit card companies are allowed to, to prey on people who need these credit cards to get by and, and charge these exorbitant fees to the point where you can never, catch up i mean i know personally i've had uh, cards where i've paid thousands towards them and you never catch up because it's yeah. just it's a so cycle was this a, a senate bill or a, a house bill? well they're both introducing it well bernie's introducing so they it just, the senate yeah tag team yeah so so yeah. even though democrats have a majority in the house how many do you oh, think will actually it's, support it's, this it's not even gonna come up for a vote pelosi will <laughs> never let this come up for because pelosi would vote against it she fucking takes tons of money from the fucking credit card companies and payday lenders right i would be shocked if she lets this come up for a vote and i guarantee you if she does it's not gonna pass because there's no way all the democrats are gonna vote for it but this is no. again this is like, i don't even the think half the democrats, democrats vote for it yeah no exactly um yeah. And I was, you know, one of these things where I'm kind of like, that sounds like a wonderful idea. So, of course, it will never, ever happen. You know, yeah, it's I mean, basic uh, common sense. And and then, you know, when people say, like, well, what's your problem with Biden? It's like right here, this exact fucking shit. 
Oh, the, the he shit would absolutely not support this shit. No, not one bit. I wouldn't be shocked if he was one of the people who voted to roll back that regulation in 78, because I believe he was in the House. Oh, yeah, yeah, he probably was. He probably fucking said, all right, we just, you know, want a credit card? You want more money? Want money in advance? And you got to pay it back plus, uh, you know, 50 percent. I'm sure he thought that was a great, great thing for for uh, working families back in the day. Um, But so and, you know, and it's just great that they're working on things like this and things that you wouldn't even think of necessarily like doing. And the other great thing about this bill is it actually also includes a provision to establish postal banking, which is something that we've talked about on the show before. And it's super common sense. And it actually essentially eliminates the need for payday lenders because people in, in lower income communities have everyone has a post office, you know, within some decent range of where you live and sometimes they close down a ton of them the last few years the gop has been trying to basically but certainly more so than like banks you know like low-income uh tailored banks like you know there's it's absolutely and you know postal banking it's not you wouldn't have you wouldn't be charged like fees you wouldn't have to maintain a, a, a pretty high minimum to keep an account to open an account you could just you know open an account uh do your uh payroll like banking with them and you know that's that so that's uh, a great thing that they have in a lot of other countries and that's a no-brainer that we should have uh and also it actually invigorate the post office and help uh you know, lift up some of the, uh, the sagging funds that they're, that they're like in need of because the fucking Republicans passed this, uh, bill uh, a couple of years ago where they essentially forced the post office to fund their pensions, something like 20 years in advance with, which nobody else does. Like everyone else funds their pensions year to year, but right. they required the, yeah. Yeah, it's basically the bank just run them on purpose. Trying to, exactly. And then they'll say, Oh, look how inefficient it is. We should privatize it. That's just mm-hmm. what they always fucking do is run into the ground, make it unsustainable. And then say, look, look at all the government waste. Look, this doesn't work. We should, the private sector should do all of this. And then they give a bunch of tax cuts to FedEx and uh you know whatever that yellow one UPS, is um, DHL and then, and and, yeah exactly that dhl there we go uh and probably amazon too just for you know for just because they deliver shit too um well they but, have the whole they're they're actually trying to start and I, I learned about this when i was applying for a job at the post office because the guy was telling me about it they are trying to start their own branch of that essentially like they already have their own delivery trucks for their prime shipments but they're trying to expand right. out to become like the ubiquitous, like even more so than UPS or FedEx. They want oh, to be yeah. ubiquitous. Uber's doing delivery. it too. Uber wants to be like the premier food delivery thing, right? And then mm-hmm. you then you yeah. have like a thousand kids at high school that all want their uh, an Uber to drop off their favorite meal for them. Um, yeah, that, that this was the other thing I, I wanted us to to touch on a little bit was uh, this uh, Uber slash Lyft driver strike that happened this week. Um, yeah, Uber basically went public. Uh, and has basically, you know, gotten a bunch of poor people to buy $90,000 SUVs for, uh, you know, carting around people and then guts the rate at which they're pay- they're getting paid. And then these people mm-hmm. are stuck with cars they can't afford to get rid of and they can't afford to not get rid of. Right. Um, so I was very excited to see this happen. Any, any kind of labor strike, but then of course, liberals who, you know, are anti-union and, and many, 
very online liberals are anti-union and said, well, but they're, they're just contractors and they knew that when they signed up and, you know, this isn't the way to go about forming a union. You don't go on strike to form a union. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Going on strike is literally how you force the company into a contract, into negotiations. They're just fucking idiots. They have no concept of labor history yeah. in this country. But, you know, uh, the, uh, but the, the, the other downside, of course, is just, you know, everyone said, oh, well, with Uber and Lyft, you don't have to own a car, right? So it's going to ease congestion. It's going to you know, reduce pollution, having people, less people owning cars, right? No, not so much. Um, so Jacobin had a great article on this today. Uh, just going to read one paragraph here that depressed the hell out of me. Um, Beyond its impact on workers, Uber has made our city's worst places to live. The company has decreased urban public transit usage and even produced a sharp rise in US, U.S. traffic deaths. Uh, and Uber has a vastly increased congestion, or they have vastly increased congestion. Last year, just in New York City, rideshare companies added 85,000 cars per month, completing 700,000 trips a day to city streets. If we assume the average of five miles per trip using EPA metrics, then rideshare companies added half a million metric tons of CO2 just in New York City's air, the equivalent pollution of 400,000 flights from New York to San Francisco. Jesus Christ. And I know from, you know, talking to my grandfather who actually drives like cabs for the city, like city cabs, not uh, Uber, that the cabs have for environmental and just for labor reasons, have a cap on the number of cabs that they're allowed to operate, you know, right. total. And Uber has no fucking cabs like they just or, oh, it's, or it's some absurd amount way higher than, you know, yeah. they've. What was the number you said? Like they've added hundreds of thousands of fucking like Uber drivers. 85,000 cars a month for the last year just in Jesus New York City. Christ. You can't, I mean, they're going to have as many cars as people that live in New York City. And it will literally, you won't be able to move a car anywhere. It's already, <laughs> say, it's already well, you... the least efficient way to move around in any city, let alone New York City, the densest city on fucking North America. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, it makes no fucking sense. And, you know, but, and, but then you, you have people that get used to it. They you get used to taking an Uber, so they try to find excuses why it's okay that congestion's worse, and now we're more car dependent, and now we're spewing more pollution, and now we're just basically making a model for companies to have no employees at all and have no accountability for the people who who are getting paid under them. So yeah, it's just it's it's an attack on every one of our values all at once. So fuck Uber. Sorry if anyone rides it. I don't really give a shit what you think about me, but fuck Uber. And you yeah. know, I don't have a real high opinion and, of people that use it often either. And to be fair, people that drive Uber probably don't fucking like Uber anyway. Like, uh, like you said, a lot they have a re they had a really predatory practice where they would offer up these loans and make it seem like they were really low interest loans for cars. But what happened was, like you said, they would just they would do that, and then they fucking tanked the rates that they're paying all these drivers. So now everyone who started driving for them is fucking stuck with these albatross loans where they can't get rid of the car and because you know they'll end up getting hit with the the remaining money that they owe on the loan and they can't keep the car because they're not making enough money to fucking make the payments sure and when you, when you car, drive you know. a car non-stop how much wear and tear you put on it like you would basically mm -hmm. have to, to oh, it's a nightmare you know, to, it's like the uber black service which is like a luxury limo type thing so they want you to buy a yeah. big fucking ninety thousand dollar suv how long do you think that thing's gonna last in in prime condition especially in manhattan where you're just constantly breaking like your brakes and every your struts like everything is just fucking oh yeah shot but, i'm sure you know and, and in two years they'll expect you to buy a new one 
you know, that's the, the new top of the line luxury model. So it's again, car culture is already enough of a cancer in this country. Uh, but Uber just personifies even like the, the, the vastly worse ways you could make car ownership into a, a, a tool of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's gross. Um, also, you know, just to, to briefly talk about the independent contractor thing, independent contractor status in this country is fucking bullshit because it, it, it's so loosely regulated and not at all applied uh, in the way that it actually should be. Like, uh, you know, people saying like, oh, well, they're independent contractors. They, sh- you know, they shouldn't get a unit. That's fucking preposterous. Like, I think I, I talked before on here about how like pro wrestlers that work for the WWE are independent contractors but they can only work for the wwe they have exclusive contracts with them and if they try to go work elsewhere they'll they they can't they'll be penalized but they also don't have health care because they're independent contractors and they work for a fucking publicly traded multi-billion dollar company it's preposterous the the lack of um regulation there is for well but they they voluntarily sign the contract there's nothing forcing them to have to go work in that job they can work anywhere else they wanted to they can work at any other major wrestling company that has you know television (laughs) oh wait wwf bought the only two other major companies that existed in the the 90s so now they're literally the only major wrestling company in america it's like it's so it's just so preposterous the whole concept uh but yeah anyway um so no, nothing good about Uber. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, fuck Uber. <sighs> All right. Well, um, and, and I, and I really, I, I think that AOC Bernie bills great. So hopefully, but you know, I actually want to mention something about that real quick before we move on. It, it definitely won't pass now, but that's something that Bernie, if he wins can really hold up and, and like that that's something that's so common sense that affects so many americans that that you know left and right and center he could hold that up as a bludgeon and say like look this is one of the major policies i want to push for you know my first hundred days in office it's a no-brainer uh there's no reason you wouldn't want to vote for this unless you're the the absolute bitch of the fucking credit card you know companies like the, sure well you uh, know what they'll say though they'll make the same argument against um a cap on on credit card fees that they make against uh free tuition which is that well rich people use credit cards too so why would we give them a a attack or you know why would we help them out bernie why is bernie yeah. trying to help out the billionaires that have a billionaire mastercard that's exactly yeah, what it, it's say. just it's just preposterous I, I i agree i know i agree but you know what's funny is that the billionaires probably have fucking 10 percent interest rates because you actually the higher credit score you have uh the better interest rate you have and typically you get a higher credit this whole system is so fucking stupid and aoc actually talked about this a couple months ago about how ridiculous credit scores are and she actually was trying to uh, come up with a bill to eliminate credit scores or eliminate that the credit score uh the way it, it's currently constituted i mean like you for example because you don't have a credit card even though you don't have any debt you'd have a very low credit score which is preposterous it's probably like, yeah you're no you, you would you because you, you act to build your credit score you actually need to have debt you need to build credit aka debt to raise your credit score it's a preposterous system and in order to get a loan for anything like if you wanted to buy a house or if you wanted to uh not that you would buy a car but like if you want to buy a car or a house or any kind of property thing that you wouldn't be able to afford up front you need to have a high credit score to get a good rate so like you're penalized for not having fucking debt you you could go to the bank and say i have 
$100,000 in this bank account. I want a mortgage on a $500,000 house. I could put a ton down. They're going to look at your credit score and give you a fucking terrible uh, APR because of the fact that you don't have any credit built. It's a fucking ridiculous system built but by Anthony, the that's, that's just credit the, card companies. That's just the way the market works. You know, there's no, there's no prejudice there. That's no, just the, the unseen hand of the free market. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's fucking preposterous. But so again, I, I think that that's something that could easily uh, be used as as a kind of a, a thing to call out the shitty Democrats that would vote against it. But we'll see what happens. Um, you know, let's let's move on to to Meghan McCain. Uh, not that there's any real big story with her, but she's just people insist on on letting her on TV. Uh, including on shows that she's not the host of, and and I, I'm just baffled by it constantly. Uh, so she was in the news uh, yesterday, I guess, for uh, being on Seth Meyers' show, uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers, whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, and he, I wouldn't even say he argued with her. He kind of gently pushed back on her her just absurd hysteria he was about ever treating her with kid gloves. He was trying to like she gets on other shows because people want to see her. They want to watch the train wreck, you know, they want to see her flip the fuck out, right? Because she's hysterical about the most, you know, reasonable things. Um, and and they love it. They love watching that. I, I despise her, but I love to watch her temper tantrums. It's just fucking hilarious to me. I love watching um, her cry on TV. That's my favorite thing in the world. My dead daddy. <laughs> uh, got stabbed in the dick by the Viet Cong. I love it. Uh, no, but he was, Seth Meyers was like very, very, uh, congenial towards her. He was trying to like give her, he let her off the hook way too much. Yeah. I don't know. I think he kind of like, he was kind of trying to be Jon Stewart in that moment and like let her hang herself by trying to kill her with kindness sort of a thing. Um, but I think you, you do have the audio for that, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I want to play that and then we'll talk about it because, because of course, it, it, the funniest thing to me in the world is that she, her view can be challenged for for like thir- like three seconds and she has a complete meltdown she cannot handle any kind of disagreement with her like she well i'll play it now we'll talk about it i don't think i tied her to it in particular i think that i'm calling out what i see as anti language and when you're talking oh sorry wait where audio dropped out i'll i'll play it again i don't think i tied her to it in particular i think that I'm calling out what I see as anti-Semitic language and when you're talking about... But even um, after, you called it out after she'd apologized for it. I do want to establish um, the timeline. I, I don't... I think that Democrats are are hedging on this and I think it's very dangerous and I think Chuck Schumer and I are in alignment about Israel's stance in, in geopolitical politics. I think it's of the utmost importance and I think she is bringing her party to the extreme extremism on this and i think we have to look to europe and what's happening over there and that they're you know in in the british politics anti-semitism is very common and i see it happening over there and i worry about it happening over here i stand by every single thing i've said and if that makes me unpopular in this room or in front of you so be it um well i don't see that's a weird thing to take the position of trying to be unpopular here i am trying to you know find the common ground on this because i do think one of the i think we could both agree bothered by her language about 9 11 um, I thought it was taken out of context, and I think if you watch that whole Would you speech, give President Trump the same 
same leverage uh, if he had said the same thing? Uh, well, I would say that Donald Trump is certainly in no position to criticize her language on 9-11 based on the things that he said about 9-11, right? But would you give... I just think you have to give people the same credence, and I think... Well, I would let me make the, the clarification between Donald Trump and, and Ilhan Omar is one of them has apologized and said they're going to try to do better, and they're going to be educated by people who know about this. That's what she said, and I think she... You know, it's an interesting thing when we have two Muslim women for the first time, they do have a different perspective on things. And I think when we talk about the idea of, like, let's all try to meet in the middle on things, we have to listen to other people's perspective. And Oh, I agree. I work on The View with Joy yeah, Behar yeah, every yeah. day. I listen to other perspectives all Is day there long. a way for people to talk about uh, differences in Israeli policy without getting framed as anti-Semitic language? Yeah, I just think you can't talk about uh, Jews hypnotizing the world, talking about all about the you Benjamins. You keep bringing up the two tweets that she's apologized for, and I think that's a little unfair to her, especially because we've <laughs> Are established... Are you a publicist? What? Are you her press person? No, I'm just someone who, who cares about the fact that there's someone out there who is uh, in a minority, who has had death threats against her, and I think that we should all use the same language that you're asking her to be careful about her language, and I, I would ask everybody else to be careful about theirs. Okay. Yeah. All right, I mean... I love the clip cuts off because she was uh, again about to be like, all right, I, I mean, y you know, I just like she was already going to fuck it like literally the mildest pushback on her fucking hysterical talking points. She goes, I, what are you, a publicist? Like she can't fathom that somebody could disagree with her fucking hysterical, bloated fucking bloviations. It's just so. Yeah. God, she's well, the fucking worse. I just so can't. You, you uh, notice how often she interrupts people and people mm -hmm. that interrupt people hate being interrupted. It makes them go berserk. <laughs> and you notice he does it a couple times there just to like kind of like nudge her a little <laughs> bit toward, towards craziness. So a couple of a couple things. Uh, first of all, Ilhan Omar never said Jews hypnotized the world. She said Israel has hypnotized the world to, you know, ignore their, their crimes, which is very true. Uh, Israel is a, is a nation way, state, the a political organization uh to conflate that with jews is in itself anti-semitic um and then the other weird thing she does is when she says are you his are you her publicist and he goes excuse me and then in her brain <laughs> she goes oh wait that's that's like industry jargon are you and then she repeats herself but she says are you her press person like pre press person like yeah wait. That's you were fine just saying publicist. I, I'm sure Seth Meyers knows what a publicist is. You don't need to to like change your words to be like a layman's term for something because the word the term press person isn't a thing. It, that's not a thing. Yeah. It you spokesperson, pub, you know, whatever. Anyway, she's she's a fucking idiot. Yeah. And by the way, you know, Ilhan Omar tweeted the, 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 you know, Israel has hypnotized the world thing after the Gaza bombings, the, the massive bombing campaign in 2014. I, you have to specify because they bomb Gaza, it seems like every fucking five months. But the the really severe bombing campaign that they carried out in 2014, where we didn't do a fucking thing about it. No one else did a thing about it. And she was like, hey, you know, Israel's kind of hypnotized the world. Uh, look what they're fucking doing. They're just they're just ethnically cleansing uh this this group of people uh who, sure and, and that's always the way stealing. it is in our media where you know just this week um they were you know the the headline was uh israel bombs gaza in retaliation for hundreds of rockets fired from uh, by hamas into into uh into uh into israel and of course the, it's always predicated that way it's always hamas did this gaza did this then israel responded 
no mention of the hundreds of peaceful protesters that Israel killed with sniper fire. No mention of the the, the medic who was deliberately shot and killed, who was marked as a medic, um, you know, on uh, on the Gaza side of the border. This is all people being being shot to death over the border in their own country. And, you know, so that, yes, if you have the media basically doing the work of, of, of being the uh, press person for the nation of Israel, the apartheid state of Israel, then, yeah, people are being hypnotized to to not be aware of what's going on. So it's a very accurate comment. So just even even the idea, that, you know, Seth Myers is saying, well, she apologized for that. It's like she shouldn't have had to. She shouldn't have had to apologize. because She didn't but... say anything fucking wrong. And, 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 you know, it's just this whole idea that the press tries to make it seem like it's two warring armies. It's fucking preposterous. It's, it's a, a group of people who have the backing of the strongest military in the entire fucking history of the world, the United States Army, versus people that aren't even allowed to have fucking concrete to rebuild all the uh, structures that Israel bombs in the, in the open air prison that they fucking pen these people into. It's like, right. it's, it's like such Bill a Hicks said about the, the first Iraq war. Bill Hicks said, you know, it's, it wasn't really a war. A war is when you have two armies fighting each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, of course. And, and yeah. And, and, and you know, all, like all the, all the conflation of Hamas as being a terrorist organization. If somebody took over your fucking town and was dropping bombs on you and, and shooting you with sniper fire, I sure as fuck would want a group like Hamas defending me and fighting back. I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, that's for their independence. Geneva convention explicitly says a civilian population under military occupation may use any means necessary to defend themselves and try to expel that foreign invader. So nothing, there's nothing that Hamas has done on, according to our international laws that is illegal. <laughs> so there you and- go. Even on top of that, I, I can't imagine why Hamas would be upset when the guy who just won the presidential or the prime minister election in Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, essentially said that he would annex the West Bank if he won, essentially further uh, further ramping up his ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people to the point where he wants to completely wipe them off the face of the earth. So I don't understand why they'd be upset and try to be, you know, and try to try to you know, defend the fucking little land that they have left. Like I, you know, it's, it's just preposterous. So, um, but fuck Megan McCain. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, well, we were trying to think of something good to say about her before the show. And I, I, I don't think you could think of anything. And the only thing I could think was like, her face is kind of cute. The rest of her is, you know, awful, but like her face is still kind of cute, I guess. It's just like nothing but shit comes out of it is the problem. So just, you, you look at her and there's just nothing worth liking. No, there's, she, she doesn't have a single redeeming quality about her personality, about anything. Like she's just, she's just an utterly fucking soulless, useless fucking vacuum of a human she's, being. She's always, I love how she's always hunched up. She's looking more and more like Danny DeVito's version of the penguin. <laughs> she's like, her nose is still really pointed, but she's kind of like hunched over and her, like her shoulders are getting wider. You know, it's just hair is kind of like, you know, kind of curly, hanging down like Danny Vito's penguin hair, in Batman 2, 1993, people, that movie was, I think. People joke about it, but I really do think being like a hateful person constantly really does take a toll on you. Like, it, it, like a physical toll on you. Like, it's gotta. Like, just the fact that she's always fucking just absolutely triggered and hysterical on The View, like every oh, fucking yeah. day of her life, because people dare to fucking criticize I mean, at, and disagree with her. Breitbart. He died of a heart attack at what age forty five or something? Fucking Andrew Breitbart. Yeah, he's about to have a fucking 
They have a heart attack while he's screaming at Occupy protesters. His face is all beat red. And fucking poor guy's cholesterol must have been through the fucking roof. Um, yeah. yeah, being hateful, I, you know, and that's the thing is, is you got, got guys like Cheney and Kissinger, the, the banality of evil, where they don't seem that hateful. They're just evil. Like yeah. they don't really have emotions. That's why they're still around. Right. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're, yeah. They can just calmly wipe out and, you know, 5 million people. And it's nothing to them. They're not. Because they're fucking psychopaths. Like they, they have no, right. you know, no human empathy whatsoever. No. Um, but someone like Megan McCain is just, you know, every combination of psychopath and entitled and fucking hysterical and overly emotional. So the funny thing about Megan McCain is like, I, I, I listen to a lot of, uh, postmortems on on john mccain like good postmortems like about how fucking horrible he was apparently he was uh, you know he he likes to paint himself as like a war hero you know because he got captured yada yada but he was really a, a fucking terrible student and a terrible soldier like he finished like near the bottom of his class in the military academy but also like from then and even from younger he was like known to throw like famously hysterical temper tantrums like he would hold his breath until he passed out that was a big thing that got reported about him when he was a child is like when he didn't get his way he would hold his breath until he passed out so i i see where she gets it from like he 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 portrayed himself as like a stoic whatever but she really is just kind of the logical extension of her father like when it comes down to the way she conducts herself in yeah public. she's the the little the brattiest one of all the kids that goes to the uh the chocolate factory in willy wonka i mean there's yeah, really no, no, no exaggeration there at all thinks. um the fact that she thinks that you know that socialism is taking away other people's money but uh being a billionaire ceo means you earned every dime somehow which is just, I mean, that's not even like disingenuous. I think she really believes it and just doesn't know what economics I, are. I mean, Megan McCain's never had a fucking job. Moves. Like, Megan no. McCain has literally never had a fucking job that she I have to listen had. to Joy Bear. Like, she clearly can't, she's not capable of listening. Because the first time she hears a thing that she, her brain can't, it's not that she doesn't necessarily disagree. She just doesn't understand it. And rather yeah, than try to stupid. process something to be like, oh, actually, that's what this is. Actually, this is what this is. She just goes, no, I don't want to learn. I don't want to listen. I shouldn't have to be here. And then she goes home and, you know, quits the show for a week and sobs and cries. And, you know, and then has to go do like a, a you know, do a, a getting reacquainted to her where she goes in other people's shows. <laughs> you know, what's like, funny is actually, uh, Anna Kasparian on TYT uh, talked about it. Like, I think in the kind of like one of the post games or something, how, uh, she actually used to be friends with Megan McCain in real life, like before Megan was on the view, before she was like a political figure. And she was like, yeah, she doesn't know anything about politics. Like she just got that job because of who she is. And the reason she's so hysterical is because she just doesn't know anything. So when she's made to look stupid on TV every fucking day of her life, when she doesn't know anything beyond the the bullshit, you know, talking points that she hears from right wing media she's she's like embarrassed and hysterical because she just doesn't know what the fuck to say like she's not mm-hmm. a she, she just doesn't fucking know anything like that no, it, she doesn't it's just, know anything it's so obvious and, when she's challenged and that's i mean that is willful ignorance because she can go read a book um, plenty of time know, she can <laughs> go to the library and enjoy socialism and read a book for free <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, she would never. She would never uh, deign to to slum it with with us normies at the at the library. I'm sure, but but even so, I'm sure she could afford to buy as many yeah. fucking ebooks as she wants. You know, on her on her. Well, 
it, Apple, it's that fear iPad, that ignorant people have that if they learn new things, they'll have to confront their, their previous ignorance, you know, yeah. um, like the, the woman that went to the, the Bernie rally and came back and reported that like, I was, it was so seductive. They, their ideas made so much sense. So I just, <laughs> I just covered my ears and wouldn't listen. I knew it was wrong. And I was just smacked the side of my head and bad, bad. Um, where, where it's like the, the minute their brain starts to actually function, they get afraid of what that means and what they might have to confront about the, their, their selves. Right. And that kind of introspection yeah. is, you know, amongst academic lefty type people, like we crave that we're constant, we're bored if we don't have something new to learn, uh, yeah. and, and some, some new intellectual thing to process. Imagine being terrified of that and, and embracing the, the little that you know is virtuous and, and holding that up and saying, look, I don't have to learn new things. It's all I've, I've got enough. You know, my, my, uh, I learned everything I needed to know in Sunday school. So fuck you science. <laughs> yeah, no. And I love fucking learning. I talk about, it, I think on the podcast fairly often where I'll hear of like a concept, uh, you know, in politics or in, in economics. And I'm like, that's a fucking great idea. And I can't believe I've never thought of that. Like I remember when, Nomiki Kants was running for public advocate in, in, in New York city. Part of her platform was like, Hey, you know, the M we pay for the MTA, even though it's a private company, which is total bullshit. We, but we pay for the upkeep of the subways and, and buses. They should be free. We're paying for them. Like it, it's preposterous that, that not only do they get to hike fares, but that there are fares to begin with, like they should just be free. We pay their operating costs like it, it's it's insane we should just raise taxes on the well wealthy in the but then we have to call the, the the subway the freeway because like freeways <laughs> they would be free for public use yeah uh, as long as you're driving a car yeah you get the road yeah. for free but you gotta buy the car yourself exactly um no it's insane the idea that that um that, well, that we, to be fair the the fossil fuel companies probably subsidize the freeways because the more you drive on the freeways the more no, you, the more gas no, you have to buy the, we we the taxpayers subsidize the fossil fuel companies, so that's oh, that's, that's why yeah. that's why gasoline is so cheap in this country uh, to keep everyone addicted to a car. Whereas in Europe they pay three times more than we do for fuel, and everyone goes, oh, three dollars a gallon is so much. It's like the actual price of money uh, that gasoline cost at the pump if it wasn't subsidized would be fifteen dollars a gallon. So it, we we the way we keep people addicted to cars is we keep about eighty percent of the cost of vehicle ownership. Um, funded by taxpayers, whether you drive or not, right? And then we say, "Oh, you want to you want to get on the subway? We got to you got to pay out of pocket every time you do it. You're basically paying a toll. Imagine if you had to pay a toll every single time you pulled your car out of the driveway. Imagine what that would do to car ridership. People would stop yeah. driving, right? But that's what we do with public transportation: is you can get a pass, but only for thirty days at a time, right? So even if you ride off, it costs you, you know, what it would cost you to just ride every day, more or less, in Manhattan. More like, or less, you don't save that much money. It's just the convenience yeah, of it. But it's still, it's the it, you you put up as many roadblocks to public transportation as possible, and you make driving is is uh, as you know you hide the cost of it as much as possible. When you rack up the cost of uh, you know the cost of parking storage, because people don't think about the parking is you know they think that's free too it's not you pay for that with every you go to the mall you got free parking but you pay more money for everything in that mall because you got the free parking um you know the the cost of maintenance new tires brakes um oil changes the insurance absolutely it's a huge money pit it's about eight thousand dollars per year and that's not that's that's including every every amount of it, whether the car is new or old. You still pay on average about eight thousand dollars a year. So when somebody says, "Oh, you paid nine hundred dollars for a for a 
like an all year round bicycle that you can ride in the winter. It's like, yeah, $800 is, is that's like pennies a day for the 20 years I'll own that fucking bike before it, yeah. before it breaks down. Right. So it, it's just, yeah, we, if we want something to be a certain way, if we want to have a monopoly on transportation or energy use, it'll get all the subsidies it needs because they have the lobbyists to make sure the money flows that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, I remember what we were talking about. Oh, but yeah, no, I, but I, I, I think it's, it's super ignorant to just not, to not be open to new ideas and not be open to saying like, look, I didn't know about this particular thing. Like if this is, you know, a much better way to do it. I mean, there's so many policies that I think were kind of inconceivable to people. Um, even, you know, five, 10 years ago that are, that are kind of common, commonplace now, uh, you know, talked about all the time. Uh, like or even like today with this 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 uh, AOC and Bernie thing, like I know that uh, credit card APRs and and lending rates for you know all these companies are fucking insanely predatory. But it never even occurred to me like, hey, why doesn't the government just cap it at like fifteen percent, let's say, because that would save millions of people, probably billions of dollars, uh, in in just totally uh, un accounted for money like this interest money that that the bank never actually lent out it's just money that they're you know fleecing all these people for so that they can actually get by you know in their day-to-day lives and afford their fucking rents or their mortgages or their their car to get to the fucking job that gives them money to pay for their rent and their food and it's like it's preposterous so yeah so that's like a something uh that's an awesome idea that never even occurred to me to do um and Megan McCain is just insanely, uh, you know, just closed off like with her fingers in her ears to any kind of new information. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's that's the only reason I wanted to play that clip because it was just her one, one of her typical fucking, yeah, you know, absolutely. mindless meltdowns. And that's the, you know, once you get into a job in media and you're making media, you don't expose yourself to other media. You devote yourself to just regurgitating what you already know. Uh, and I, I'm guilty of this too, where sometimes if I don't, you know, I might just be like, oh, I really want to read all those articles about everything that's going on. And then I just, I don't have time to, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm not well prepared. And, and then, you know, if I really start to feel like, I don't feel like I have the authority to talk about this, I'll fucking do the work. Like I'll sit there and I'll start yeah. pouring through article after article after article and be like, holy shit. Like I, <laughs> you know, this is, this is what's going on is so much crazier than anyone knows. And people always say, well, where, do I, where should I get my news from? Who should I trust? And it's like nobody gets it all right all the time. You've got to read lots of different sources. Otherwise, you're going to turn into just a, a, you know, a parrot repeating only what one person wants you to think. Uh, even Democracy Now! doesn't get it right all the time. You know, like the, you, there's people that have called out Democracy Now! for being way too chummy with the, you know, the the, the, the nationalist rhetoric around uh, Russia gates, that whole fucking nonsense or Venezuela. Um, they, you know, they've had mainstream talking heads like Kurt, I can wall on, on their show before to talk about foreign policy. And it's like, why would you let anyone, anyone from inside Washington DC or from the CIA ever be a guest on a show like democracy now? Yeah, no, it's preposterous. Um, and they didn't, or TYT. TYT, who regularly has like uh, analysts from the CIA or former analysts from the CIA come on. Yeah. And I mean, the problem with TYT, like, I, I, I expect more from democracy now. Like, Jank is who he is, and he's ultimately going to control the editorial 
direction of tyt whether he claims he does or not uh and he's he's a liberal i mean he has he's he's to the left of of a lot of mainstream democrats on you know a lot of the stuff that bernie supports but at the end of the day it's really tough for him to see past his biases uh someone like amy goodman i expect better from so like when i saw that they were kind of hook line not not hook line but that when they were devoting what i thought was an inordinate inordinate amount of time to the russia thing it really was like ugh, like you know i it's not it's not a good look for them so but uh, but you know to their credit they would have people like aaron matei on a lot and people who would push back on their narrative sure uh that's actually where he started out was working for democracy now so yeah uh, when i do see his critiques of democracy now i'm always kind of like oh he's he's you know he's alumni like he's he can you know it's um, it's because he knows they're good and he wants them to be better like he it's not like trying to you know or or i think he thinks they were better and now they're just good right um yeah yeah you know they don't want to always be seen as just like the pete seeger news hour you know like (laughs) <laughs> um, why fucking Pete, they should be like pete seeger fucking rocks no but, you i know, know, I, know, but, I, know but, you know they they're, they're very they want to be legitimate they want to kind of, yeah sure you know I, I don't think they've compromised themselves at all but there's definitely you know trump is the president right and they are going to look at that hopefully objectively uh i think more objectively than any actual news program you know i mean you've got you got lots of, of, of online publications but there's no tv show that covers the news as objectively as democracy now, hands down. Um, But that's because they still know what journalism means. They're not, I mean, TYT is not journalism. They're just, that's commentary, pure commentary. And that's fine, but it's not news, right? Yeah. We do commentary. I mean, there's not really much of a difference between what we do and TYT, except we don't have a, you know, fancy, uh, fancy million dollar studio to broadcast out of. Yeah. I don't have a, you don't have a stinky iguana. (laughs) You ever been to a, a reptile house pet store? Oh before? yeah, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> oh my god, it's just ugh. this is bad. Like the fucking monkey cages at the at the Bronx Zoo. It's like the yeah, worst well, smell in America. Uh, I mean, I they they go... shouldn't be in those. Yeah, <laughs> no, opposed to zoos. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know the, the the Venezuela thing is becoming more and more prevalent in the media, and I think the the more it's gone on, the more we've kind of gotten a gist of. Uh, or a sense of what really is is behind all this and what hasn't been behind all this. And uh, I, I've spent a lot of time reading just today, trying to get caught up in preparation for the show. And it's amazing how much just not even, not even media coverage, but perception of media coverage, like the things they try to get us to think with, by the way they cover the news, by the mm-hmm. outright fake news that's put out there purely to bend public opinion you know yeah it's just it's incredible um and and it's not like what the average american thinks about what's going on in venezuela is going to make fuck all difference in the end you know but they still do it it's like they can't not use the media to bend public perception the way they want and it doesn't matter if it's democrat or republican it's always corporate media is always going to bend towards a, a corporate agenda right and what does venezuela have more of than any other country in the world oil oil <laughs> exactly they've got something like twice as much as saudi arabia and we might think we're transitioning to renewable energy um but the oil companies sure as fuck don't plan on doing that they're going to keep Trump administration has no business and fuck it you know no, no interest in doing that of course right well in you know honestly yeah i mean trump's not an oil guy he's a real estate guy so he he's not 
he doesn't really like these these wars that make uh, real estate investment untenable. No. But his team, it, you know, the 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 fucking ghouls that that he brought in to handle his national security, sure. fucking love, you know, the fossil fuel industry. Of course, and, and ultimately, that's what's what's the thing that makes the world go round. You know, what's the juice that makes uh, capitalism run? It's oil. You know, fossil yeah. fuel the expansion of capitalism and our, our dependence on fossil fuels have uh, been, you know, inextric- inextricably linked for hundreds of years now. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and this Venezuela situation, you mentioned like the media perception. It The coup is like failed in Venezuela. Like nobody's reporting it like that. But when you actually look at the reports from people on the ground, it's a totally botched attempt at a coup. And it's hilarious because they're so upfront about why they're doing it and what they're doing and the fact that they're leading a coup i mean they'll, they'll try to dress it up and say well juan guaido is the legitimate leader of venezuela and you know maduro's addicted but like they're they're not at all being slick about it like they've been in the past because i think this is the first time that these dinosaurs at the fucking cia have run into the the kind of social media generation where this is the sure. first coup this is like the first real big coup that they've attempted where everybody's fucking watching everything they do and they can't get away with any of the bullshit well, that they've gotten away with in the past. It's, it's like they tried to create the perception there was a coup and there wasn't really a coup. They tried <laughs> to put a coup on TV that didn't actually exist on the ground. Um, they would say that he was, uh, you know, this, this their opposition leader who didn't get elected. He just declared himself the president, uh, didn't even run for president a factor our media seems to ignore uh it, back in january he never ran for president mm-hmm. wasn't on the ballot um just says i'm the president and they he would, they would have him do photo ops basically where you'd be like oh i'm here with all the generals that are now on my side uh and it was like a couple guys they tricked from like the <laughs> national guard literally from the national guard they didn't even know what was going on and they would put that on tv and then you know our times runs it and then cnn runs it he made this claim that they had taken the like the 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 main military airport in the capital and they had t- their forces, opposition force had taken the airport. They hadn't even tried to, there was no attempt made to take this airport, which would be a, you know, a sign that you took the airport. And now you control this military base, whatever you're, you're effectively waging a real coup. They never did anything like that. And CNN and New York times both reported it as fact without sending yeah. any reporters there to see if it was true. Um, and, and then they, they kept, you know, Bolton kept saying that, uh, you know, all, all of uh, Maduro's top advisors were in communication with the opposition and were ready to turn on Maduro. None of that was true. Uh, you had Pompeo, our secretary of state, insisting that, uh, you know, Maduro had a plane gassed up on the runway to get in, hop in and flee to Cuba out of fear of this coup that didn't actually exist. Uh, yeah. and, and it was Russia that stopped him from doing it. And it's it's just like I, these are the people who are the heads of state. Secretary of State's the highest appointment in the country and he's just making shit up just making shit up and you know he's full of shit because when he he had a fucking uh shit fit over the fact that jeremy corbyn of all people was was in support of maduro and their their government and he all but in name said it was disgusting for jeremy corbyn to to have said that um so you know that like these people don't know how to do things with social media you can't have a, a coup that only appears on social media without having like a real coup on the ground. Otherwise you didn't do anything. 
right? Yeah, and people and, will just film the shit that you're you're selectively filming and be like, hey, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and the and the ultimate effect of that is what is that? Okay, Maduro uh, came through this completely unscathed because there wasn't any actual physical opposition to him anywhere, and then Trump looks at, at that and goes, eh, he's a tough cookie. I got respect for that guy now because he fucking he didn't no one caved under any kind of pressure. And, and he, Trump looks at that and goes, all of his generals were loyal to him out of fear. That guy has power because his generals won't turn on him right or wrong. I respect that guy now. But the funny thing is a lot of them, it's not even out of fear. They're just like, fuck you. Like, we're not going to let the U.S. come in here and, oh, and yeah, fucking no, overthrow our. Exactly. No, I, I know. I know. He, I know you meant that he thinks that. Of course, that's how he thinks, because that's how I guarantee you that's how the intelligence is being presented to him because that's a subjective thing you could say like look they're all saying loyal to him we think it's because they're fearful of him but realistically they're just like no this is the, clearly the better system of government for our country we don't want to let you come in and bring your fucking capitalism and take away the our fucking oil and you know privatize yeah. our oil uh, no, they, uh, reserves. Those, those people are you know they favor their own country when they see this this usurper come in who's backed by the CIA, who's backed by all the capitalists that have been imposing sanctions on them, no, they're going to say, fuck you. We don't fucking – and that's the thing. You know, it was like 40,000 deaths in the last year attributed to sanctions put on them. And then they have the – you know, the State Department has the gall to say that the, it's a humanitarian crisis caused by Maduro. No, fuck no. No, it's a humanitarian crisis caused by Western sanctions on a country whose only crime is not wanting to trade with uh, the petrodollar and not let U.S. oil companies into their country. The sanctions cost them, I believe I read the estimate was 50 billion, billion with a B, five zero billion since they've been implemented. And then the U.S. was saying, well, look, oh, Venezuela won't accept our aid uh, package of twenty five million dollars. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Because you stole fifty billion dollars from them, you fucking monsters! Like, and it's just preposterous. So, you know, and and it's just hilarious. Every time Juan Guaido tries to go out in public, he's like mobbed, and the fucking uh, Venezuelan army has to actually protect him from being murdered by you know the the pissed off civilians who understand that he's trying to facilitate the CIA fucking coup. I mean, he's a he's a fucking yeah. CIA spook, hundred thousand percent. Bet my life on it. I mean, he was fucking educated. In the U.S. at George Washington University, he is absolutely a CIA fucking spook. Of like course, they're claiming yeah. he's not, but you know he totally is. Well, and then you have all oh, this this melee going down at the Venezuelan embassy in Washington D.C. Where I guarantee oh they just want to get in there to take over the embassy so they can go look. We're the official. If we're officially the the heads of you know the you know, and, and I know that break that's, into that's, this embassy. You know, literally, literally, and then you've got anti-war activists like Code Pink who are going there. Uh, and being invited in to mm-hmm. to protect the embassy and you literally have the, you know these these fucking basically white nationalists who are who are supporting uh this coup or or pathetically uh pathetic coup attempt um trying to block food from being brought into the building for the people that are in there and they're having fights over the food and then have to lift the food up with a rope mm. to get it into like an upstairs window and, this, and, the- and the US secret service yeah. Are there trying to help the bad guys? They're trying to take it over. Trying to help the fucking coup. Like they're trying to help facilitate the coup. And there's people like there's people within the embassy who are like who keep posting videos and shit. Uh, I'm sure they're going to eventually figure out a way to signal jam them like they did to uh, Assange. But they're trying to post they, they post videos and shit of inside the embassy. These people literally trying to 
rip the doors off the hinges because they have them locked because these people are trying to violently come in there and who knows what the fuck they would do to them once they get in there. Um, And this is the kind of stuff you think of as happening in like Tehran, right? This is happening on the ground in Washington, D.C. And and our fucking hired goons uh, for for supposed to protect diplomats from other countries are there trying to assist the coup attempt. Yeah, there was um, uh, uh, this guy. He's the president of Veterans for Peace uh, actually went there. Uh, trying to bring some food supplies to the people who were, you know, to Code Pink and the other groups that were there in solidarity with the Venezuelan embassy uh, employees. And the cops fucking threw him down on the ground, beat the shit out of him. Like, there's a video of it on, on, on Twitter where they just literally, like, bloodied this guy up who was trying to walk into the building invited with a fucking bag of food. And they, like, brutalized this guy. Yeah, like, I'm sure they arrested guy. him or something. Yeah, he was in his 70s and you could see a picture yes. of him in handcuffs and blood coming down the side of his face. Because of course after the police beat you, they arrest you for uh, disorderly Resisting conduct. Arrest or, yeah, disorderly. Yeah. Or they just not- outright accuse you of assault after they beat the shit out of you and you didn't fucking put a hand on him. And not that I'm saying this for me, but like for, especially for cops, I mean, this guy was a, you know, this guy was a veteran. He was a Vietnam veteran and they're throwing him down on the ground and fucking bloodying him up. Oh, they don't these care cops about who that. Claim to love, they they claim to fucking give a shit. Yeah, you know, see but a veteran it, who joins a peace group and they go, he just turned commie. That's all the cops think about somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. Um, and there was another video somebody actually tweeted out of a bunch of uh, city workers digging around in uh, a manhole, and they think they were trying to shut their water off because uh, they already shut the power off to the embassy. So they're they're just you know this 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 is the fucking country that that we live in where where we're we're facilitating an illegal coup uh, and trying to do everything in our power to make it seem like it's a real thing. So, but you mentioned the Trump thing with Bolton. Trump's really pissed because Bolton uh, lied to him and, and, you know, was basically like, hey, this will be super easy. The people be, are ready to turn because, you know, ultimately at their core, a lot of these people are not very smart and they think like they're the Dick Cheney's of the world who are super smart and they know that their propaganda is bullshit and that the Iraq wouldn't treat us as liberators. But there's plenty of people in the government like especially even back during then who really believed that fucking line of thinking so they're yeah and you know and they have positions of power so it's a it's a combination of super evil and super fucking stupid people uh and john bolton managed to convince donald trump that uh venezuela would be super easy to uh to overthrow they would be super easy to install guaido and install. well i'm sure he's he's convinced that if we've imposed sanctions for years in venezuela created food shortages uh, created all this strife and all this unrest that then you come in there and say the current government's illegitimate and the people are going to turn against that guy Mm -hmm. right uh kind of like a plot line of a tv show we've watched very recently <laughs> and honestly it's you know it's unethical but it's also stupid uh it because it doesn't usually work that way when people are being starved from the outside they don't necessarily look at the person who's inside they know who's starving them they know who's fucking co- like, yeah you know, they- <laughs> so yeah i think john bolton and john snow share a bit of naivete <laughs> in that respect um about what the uh, desired effect of a of such a tactic would be to be fair, medieval siege uh, sieges worked a lot better than modern siege because there's no outside. You know, it, it it's a different situation. But oh it's yeah, well still they didn't not- have they don't they don't have Twitter at King's Landing, so it's not- <laughs> <laughs> a little a little bit less informational. Yeah. Um, but but like so Trump's like pissed now, and he's kind of like uh, 
not not pulling back on Venezuela, but he's not nearly as hawkish on Venezuela as he was. Um, so this is what uh, fucking Jank tweeted out about the the situation in Venezuela. Jank on from TYT. Yeah, Trump just changed policy on Venezuela and is reportedly frustrated with Bolton that he is being too militaristic. Uh, that's news to Trump. While I agree with the new policy, it comes right after a call with Putin. Direct evidence that he is literally taking orders from Putin. Direct evidence that he is literally taking orders from Putin. That's this- a contradiction of a sentence all right there. Because you could say it's evidence, but, you, but it's <laughs> you're saying it's evidence of something that literally has happened. Well, you can't. That's like what saying, words mean. <laughs> right. No. It's like he allegedly literally did it. It's like, well, is it literally this, this or allegedly? Why, <laughs> this is why, you know, people are like, well, there's something to the Russia thing. This is why we're so fiercely in opposition to the constant hysteria around Russiagate, because it breaks fucking liberals brains. Like, how can you look at a situation that's objectively positive that that Trump is is uh, more reluctant to facilitate this coup now because he realizes how stupid of a plan it was and say that that's due to vladimir putin and not the fact that it so obviously fucking failed and was you know ill-advised to begin sure. with. like well he didn't like bolton to begin with either he just picked him because he was on fox a lot and that's where he gets most of his information from and he's met putin respects him clearly uh i i think probably has some illegal financial dealings with with certain assets in russia uh you know companies government agencies but he clearly was like well venezuela and russia are good allies and i'm gonna you know i feel like bolton has kind of led me down the wrong path here it might be time to phone a friend so yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I don't see where it's written because i mean it's, it, technically since the cold war ended u.s and russia are allies now we're supposed to be allies like our, our presidents are supposed to be talking to each other w- without yeah. condition right like <laughs> that i don't understand that you know obviously hillary clinton met with putin barack obama met with putin who, who fucking cares? Heads of state are going to talk to other heads of state. They're, all they're, they're clearly not conspiring together. Clearly, we're at odds if America is hostile to Venezuela and Russia is not. So the fact that he's more- talking to, you know, it just it makes no fucking sense. How they can hold in their brain at the same time that uh, that Trump is bad. They can't let policies go. are bad. But Venezuela is we need to, you know, if. if if we're not bombing Venezuela, it's because there's a new Russia conspiracy. It's they like, can't how many... fucking let it go. No, they can't. They can't. Just I understand how they can hold two different, completely diametrically opposed theories in their head at the same time without their brains just exploding. And this and this drives me fucking crazy because this is going to lead to adverse effects down the line if you convince a bunch of fucking liberals that russia and trump have this deal no matter what he does it's going to be point because putin's allies with a lot of our enemies it's going to be point any kind of uh de-escalating move that he takes in iran in venezuela in north korea uh with china it's going to look like or it's it's going to be framed like well he's doing putin's bidding therefore we need to be more hawkish and that's what we've seen ever since fucking Hillary Clinton lost that election and cooked up this fucking strategy to blame Russia for it, is that liberals are all fucking warmongers now. And now the next Democratic president, hopefully Bernie Sanders, is going to get in there and they're going to all expect him to be a fucking hawk on Venezuela and Iran and North Korea and all these countries that we should be trying to further better relations with and further peace talks with. 
and right. de-escalate well, if, if Bernie ever gets, if Bernie mad. somehow gets elected, every liberal in this country is going to say that Bernie's a Russian asset. They're all going to think the same thing about about Bernie that they think about Trump, and you know, I mean, hopefully those people will die off soon enough. But there's there's always a new generation of you know people that are too old to go out and do shit and are going to sit home and watch cable news and that's where they get they're going to get their information i think it's that that's never going to go away um the same way that radio is not going away the same way that books have not gone away hmm. shitty stupid tabloid ca- cable news is still going to inform 10 percent of the voters out there and that's never going to change and they're never going to have a uh, a different agenda than a capitalist agenda it's always going to going to be their driving you know narrative with all the infotainment that they're trying to sell the public yeah yeah and that 10 percent is enough to swing an election unless you really overwhelm them uh in the other direction so it's really fucking worrisome but you well, know it, it means you got to knock on more doors and have more conversations with people than the number of people that watch rachel maddow is what it means yeah. and even though they keep running these fake polls that say joe biden is the fucking front runner we all know that's not true we all know that joe biden is going to have zero ground game when it comes to knocking on doors and hanging uh you know flyers on on people's uh door handles right so <laughs> it's just like 32 oh yeah well he has a 32 point lead now like this just it's where did all those votes come from were those yeah. old people that just hadn't reported anything in a poll before like, where did those votes shift from? He was neck and neck with Bernie, like by, by point or two in, in most national polls up until that point. <laughs> it's like. Right. Well, he's, you know, they are protecting him in every way. You know, they, they'll they'll beat up reporters if they take a picture of the back of his head. Uh, they <laughs> they don't want him to answer questions on the campaign trail because they know off the cuff he's just he'll say the most racist, sexist shit possible. Um, you know, he's going to. He's going to, you know, the only way they can make him look like a front runner is to, like we've talked about, they only poll people that are 50 years of age or older, you know, because they refuse to call people on cell phones. So as, as long as they can do that, then you can have Wolf Blitzer and Paul Krugman, all these fucking capitalists say, oh, Biden's the front runner. Did you poll anyone that was, you know, was born prior to 1970? Nope. Did you no. do an online poll? Did you do like, yeah, the, the methodology is intentionally left uh, to the old ways of met, uh, old ways of polling because they know that it's going to give them a more favorable outcome and they will never admit that. And they think that they're unbiased and they're, well, we're just, you know, we're just presenting the data as we collect it. Imagine but what they would do to you in ac- totally flawed. Yeah. In, in academia, if you were working on a master's degree or a doctoral thesis, and part of that was to do a survey which is very common amongst research, right? For any kind of uh, liberal social sciencey type stuff, you know, you, you do, you know, if you have a theory about a thing with society, you have to test it somehow, gauge reactions, get public input. So you have to design surveys all the time. If you then said, oh, well, uh, you know, my sample size was pretty big, but I only sampled uh, people born prior to 1970 you would you would fail you would get a d plus or d minus or whatever fucking f minus on your doctoral thesis they just laugh you out of the room yeah yeah and and it's just preposterous i mean i i saw the other day there was some other uh quote-unquote poll but it was really like not at all a a scientific poll i think it was it might have been vox or 
it, essentially it was Nate Silver via Vox or one of these other shitty publications. And it was like, well, Biden has 75 points uh, to to the, uh, to Cory Booker's, you know, 14 points. And it was based on endorsements and they assigned a points system for endorsements. So like Obama's endorsement was worth 10 points. Not that he's endorsed anyone yet. You know, governor's endorsement was worth eight points. Senator's endorsement was worth seven points. And it was like Bernie wasn't even on the list. And it's like that's and they presented that in in bar graph form. So it looks like a poll. And you see Biden with this insane lead. And it's like, yeah, no, he just called in a bunch of favors and got a bunch of people to give him endorsements, like a bunch of fucking establishment politicians. It's, it's right. It's, it's so, so preposterous. The the uh, the the consent they're already manufacturing for Biden and the, and sure, the narrative that they're sure. building, you know, and, and this goes back to my point from last week that it's not that these people get these jobs because they really think these way this way. Uh, it's because they get these jobs because they know how to lie. I'm sure Nate Silver knows data well. He knows it well enough to know how to fudge the numbers and come up with things that look like data where it's just an arbitrary system of assigning points based on, uh, well, the governor is twice as powerful as a mayor, right? So that means he's got a five, level 12 dexterity rather than, a, you know, just it's like whatever. It's just well, fucking you know what's funny about Nate Silver is he comes from baseball and baseball is baseball <laughs> statisticians are constantly trying to come up with new fucking metrics to sell their services. It's, you know, ever since the uh, Moneyball, which was, you know, uh, the, the the book written by Billy Bean and this whole concept of of using this um, these metrics to put together a team rather than like going out and buying the best players like the Yankees would always do. It was like, well, this guy's got a really good on base percentage, but he fucking sucks, you know, in the field. But it doesn't matter because he's worth this many, you know, and, and it's like building a team that way. But what people don't remember is that that team never won the fucking world series. They made it to the playoffs a couple times, but he never actually was able to, to, to bring that team to the top. Like it, it, it didn't really work. And now you get a bunch of people who grew up on this new generation of stats in fucking baseball. Think that they know what they're talking about when it comes to politics, people like Nate Silver, Keith Olbermann. Oh yeah. And they bring this the fucking, this the, the people, like, every every guy, every white guy that's into politics and sports equally knows nothing about politics. I'm not saying you can't be a sports fan, but if you're I was about like, to say, I'll, just, I'll take exception because I, I, well, I'm not into sports as much as I'm into politics. So maybe I don't right, qualify. Right. You can be a sports fan <laughs> like politics. But what I'm saying, when you're when you're like analyzing sports and politics equally, uh -huh. there is only one guy that can do that. Honestly, I think it's like Dave Zirin is the only guy yeah, he's, he's like an admitted socialist sports writer too. great writer. Um, he, he writes, <laughs> he writes political essays though, the way that he writes, uh, like reviews of sporting events. It's very uh -huh. like cliche heavy, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, Bush was, you know, he does a lot of like the Dennis Miller things like this thing's like this thing, like that thing's like yeah. that thing. And like, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm 40. I'm not a, a extremely referential 40 year old reading level. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah i like dave zaren but um yeah and so yeah fuck nate silver he doesn't know what the fuck and it's so obvious he he just always loves to claim that he's above the fray and he's a statistician and he just looks at the numbers if you look at his twitter he just spends every fucking waking moment the last like three months trying to to hammer bernie sanders over just 
with just nonsense talking points about things that make no sense about like, oh, well, Democratic primary voters don't care about policy on the whole. And it's like he, he makes these suppositions and he doesn't back them up with stats or facts or even polling data. This is just, so this is the fucking insane numbers thing. guy. When he says he's not into policy and the American voters aren't into policy, um, you know, Pete Buttigieg says he's not the policy guy. He's the values guy. And then also cl- claims to be the policy wonk. Um, what What is that? How can you be not a policy person, but be a values person? What can that possibly mean? What does that mean? even mean? Like, what the it fuck has, does that It mean? literally has no meaning. If you are, it, it, they're just, they're admitting they have no problem with Trump. On anything yeah, other exactly. than his personality, right? They don't have a problem with P- Trump's policies or his values. They have a problem with his personality that he's, he's, you know, stripped the veneer off of imperialism in this country. And if anything, uh, doesn't really care for it <laughs> at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing that they think that, you know, that your values don't translate into policy positions if you think that it's wrong if your values are like hey i care about families and babies uh, and people shouldn't have to starve to death that's going to translate into material policy positions to prevent those unethical things from happening to society virus 2020 it's (laughs) yeah exactly and for, for for anyone to say it's not about policy and then say well i'm opposed to trump when when you ask them then what is it about Trump you're opposed to, they cannot answer the question. Yeah, or or they'll just say, well, I I, I think he's 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 uh, debased the discourse in this country and the way he conducts himself on Twitter is unbecoming of a president. It's like none of that fucking matters to real people. Like you idiots realize that nobody gives a fuck and that actually that helps him with a lot of voters with a lot of people that I know like that that really aren't particularly politics. Um, oriented or just like oh yeah i like the way he talks he talks like a real guy he talks like the way i talk you know like a fucking idiot but that's but still it's like they they appreciate the fact that he doesn't you know talk down to to the people he's talking to uh no, which he, is, he just talks know, down about everyone that's not in the room <laughs> of course yeah no and he's a fucking yeah. asshole but you know what i mean like he he doesn't he doesn't pontificate uh, in a way that people feel like they're stupider than him because it's impossible to feel stupider sure. than Donald Trump. No, it, the thing they're <laughs> so, opposed to, the thing that liberals are opposed to Donald Trump about is he doesn't uh, put on the the act of, of, you know, their version of what the White House is supposed to be, which is very much the West Wing, the TV yeah. show that we talked about last week. He, they're like, he doesn't, he doesn't behave the way that Aaron Sorkin would write them you know, these characters, I don't understand what, uh, you know, how this happened. It's like, because you believed in that bullshit and thought that Hillary Clinton was fine as long as she talked a certain way and and did terrible things. As long as she articulated it in a way that was stately, you didn't have a problem with that. You know, I guarantee if Hillary was president, that coup would have worked in Venezuela because they would have had the fucking thugs to go out and actually do it in the streets. And, you know, when you send in, uh, you know, John Bolton and Elliot Abrams that are fucking clueless, they, you know, they thought they could just put it on TV and that would be enough. <laughs> I guarantee. Yeah. I mean, these people are serial Clinton, bunglers. And they exactly. Fucking... Hillary Clinton would have gotten that coup done on day one if she took Don Before, before we fucking knew what was going on, like did it, she would have had that shit done. Yeah. And, and, and we would never we'll, even know that it was a coup until years later. We would just say, oh, there was a, a organic uprising uh, against Maduro. And then suddenly, the you know, the, the you know, Shell and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, what is it, the, the um, 
Royal Dutch Shell, Exxon Mobil, um, they're all going to be pumping oil out of Venezuela now. And we'll go, no, you know, in five years, no one will ever remember that there was a, a Bolivian revolution going on in multiple uh, countries throughout South America. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really depressing. Um, but I, but I, you know, right now, the silver lining is that Elliot Abrams and John Bolton and the, tr- the other Trump guys are just so cartoonishly evil and stupid and bad at this that they're making it impossible to pull off a, a successful coup. So hopefully by the time uh, Trump gets out of office, uh, they won't have succeeded in overthrowing Maduro. And then, you know, somebody like Bernie hopefully will come in there and put a stop to this because he's at least been opposed to the coup attempts. He's, you know, pushed CIA talking points about Maduro is is bad for his people and all this bullshit that there's no actual, you know, evidence of and yada, yada. We've talked about it before, but at least he wouldn't openly continue supporting this naked coup attempt, you know, for oil. So that's, sure. that's my hope is that we can at least survive until then. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that's definitely go. the silver lining is that, you know, Trump doesn't seem interested in imperialism, at least not expanding beyond where we are now. Um, but also is so, you know, so overconfident and doesn't want to do the real work uh, involved to make it successful that, you know, our, our foreign adventures are, you, don't, you know, don't have the will or the means, at least for, you know, the time that he's president. So, you know what the scary notion is, though, if somebody like Biden becomes president, uh, that coup's going to be successful because they're going to figure out a way to do it without making a big fucking spectacle about it, without bringing in, you know, war criminals like Elliot Abrams uh, to handle it. And it'll get done under the table before anyone realizes. No, it's no. they'll, they'll bring in Google and Amazon and Apple and they'll, you know, get their engineers working on it and they'll have a huge social media campaign uh, on the ground there and they'll turn the people against their, against their government. Um, yeah. They'll, they'll leave it to corporations to figure out the way to do it. That's that's what the Democratic Party will do to make any kind of future coup successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's just really uh, worrisome. <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, it's not even like fighting for the soul of the Democratic Party. We're fighting for the soul of the country uh, in this primary. And it's like if fucking anybody but Bernie wins, uh, I'm, I'm extremely concerned for uh all of our foreign entanglements going forward because even somebody like warren who uh i think has run a really good campaign so far you know i have a a ton of fucking issues with her i think she's she's done a lot of work to make herself a more appealing candidate she's still fucking awful when it comes to israel when it comes to uh russia gate when it comes to a lot of foreign policy things which i think are really the true measure of how courageous you are as a politician it's super easy to be like yeah i support Medicare for all, even though she doesn't really support that, but it's super easy to be like, I support, you know, free college, Medicare for all. But the real test of your courage is, are you going to stand up to the fucking CIA and the military industrial complex? And almost nobody's willing to do that. You know, even Bernie to some degree. So I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I've never liked Elizabeth Warren. Again, I'm, I'm not sure why she's in politics because um, she doesn't seem like she's really the kind of person to actually fight for anything she'll talk about them right but like when it comes time to vote she never votes for the you know for the things she claims to be in support of hardly ever that is but 
yeah, there's really nobody but Bernie, uh, honestly, who who even has a chance or is the right person for it. Tulsi, I think, would be great on a lot of those things, especially the imperialist bullshit. But, uh, you know, the media has already marginalized her. She, uh, you know, as a woman of color, uh, gets, uh, you know, uh, hand wrung over an answer about racism that doesn't explicitly use the magical term person of color. And it's like she doesn't fucking have to. Every word out of her mouth is coming from a woman of color. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, liberals. And they bring her on TV just to harass her. It's so it's so disgusting when they actually bring her on cable news to just, you know, completely smear her with every uh, attack question they give her. But um, yeah, so no, and with Warren, I mean, she's actually a, a lot of the policy proposals she's come out with are are good, like in the in this campaign. And it's something I would like to see someone like Bernie adopt, you know, a couple of her proposals like, um, you know, I can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember one at the moment, but uh, oh, canceling student debt, student loan debt or, you know, canceling student loan debt to a degree. I would love to see Bernie pick that up on that and expand upon it. I think hers was up to 50,000. I'd love to see just, you know, blanket student loan forgivable, you know, forgiving on top of uh, Bernie's, you know, free college tuition bill. Uh, it, it's just things like that are important to introduce into the conversation because then you force people like Joe Biden to take a position on it. And of course, Joe Biden's position is going to be like, of course, I'm not going to say that you should be forgiving people's debt. Um, no sympathy. I, it's got no yeah, sympathy. Of course. Uh, you know, give me a break. You, you guys say you have it so tough. But, uh, you know, I, so I could see... So, bernie and like taking her on as like the vice president because it's actually a position that doesn't really have any power it's more of a figurehead position ha, and, tell that to dick cheney well yeah that's true uh, yeah and, and almost every other situation other than the, the the bush presidency but um it's a position where you don't have power but he could also I take mean, her on and adopt I, I, some of those i, bills, I could see that I mean? a little bit but i don't think it helps him in the long run because the kind of the kind of people who really rabidly like Hillary Clinton don't like Elizabeth Warren because she's not the kind of female politician that they want. They want, you know, a, a female politician that's a cutthroat and yeah. Elizabeth Warren just, she's like your friendly old grandma, you know, like she doesn't fight too hard on anything. She understands what's right and wrong, but not enough to really change much on her own, and she's, you know, considerably to the left of Hillary Clinton for all my, my yeah. faults with her, you know, I, I'd agree. But yeah, I think that, you know, is, is the most, liberal when i say most liberal i mean the most centrist democrats that supported hillary that wanted that kind of woman to be the president want a woman who would joke about you know murdering they like that they don't they don't see a problem with that they want that kind of they want amy klobuchar beating the shit out of her staff because she's a fucking you know She's just that kind of lady boss. I just you know? prove she's a fighter and that she'll treat Putin that way. Like, yeah, no, they, they, they're they conservatives. I mean, let's just be, you know, let's call a spade a spade. They're fucking conservatives who think that they're liberals. Like, you know, and we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Yeah. Is that there's yeah. a good chunk of the Democratic uh, voting base that are conservatives that love to think of themselves as good people. And they're just really fucking conservatives. Right, uh, right. Conservative and, feminists who think that, you know, feminism is having an abusive lady boss. That's, um, yeah, that's what they want yeah 
Yeah, it's 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 the women who think that in the Democratic voting base. And then it's like the the small uh, cross section of guys who uh, pay dominatrixes to do that to them. (laughs) That's the cross section of of, of the Democratic base. Right. By like Amy Klobuchar. There's also um, there's like the what I call the uh, abusive mother Stockholm syndrome. Mm. And there's a there's a good chunk of gay white men who have that going for Hillary and it's just you, you criticize her on anything and you're a sexist to those people. Like you're, you're, you know, nobody disrespects mother like that whole thing. I was going to say it's the mommy dearest voter essentially. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, you know, she doesn't like you, you know, you shouldn't want to let you get to get married until 2014. You know, she's been, you know, terrible, on just human rights in general like doesn't that matter to you coming from this community and it's like nope nope no it doesn't because she's mother yeah yeah well um i think we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to cover uh i'm sure we've pissed off pretty much everybody listening right now but i hope not, maybe not. i hope there's no, I, I don't think so. this show run by a couple of marxists that's in the tank for hillary clinton if you did thanks for watching the show but fuck you <laughs> Yeah, please come back next week though, because we're 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 slowly chipping away. I think we're we're chipping away at you <laughs> week by week, probably. Yeah. We're we're refining our audience to a very select group of people that <laughs> agree with everything we say, and that's when we spread our. Track. No, but and, yeah, right. No, but you know, I mean, honestly, we have been we, we, our, our numbers have been ticking up, which is nice to see. Um, even though we are a very divisive podcast, so it's nice to see that that there is an audience for. Uh, things like this because you know people aren't getting it from tyt or from even democracy now to an extent like it's really hard to just find unfiltered no bullshit like leftist uh news commentary uh and it's it's like you know it's just tough and i think when when people get to a certain level they lose the edge that got them to that level in the first place i mean you know even like with tyt you look at jank the way he used to be um versus the way he is now and i mean you know a lot of his positions are the same but it's like it, when you're when you're comfortable you, you don't fight as hard it's it's just it's just natural that you you your foot right. you know your foot off the well, gas well so. it's a it's a mistake of every leader who thinks that their best quality is to bring everyone together because that immediately lends itself to compromise and you will compromise your the, the, the your values about what is morally right and wrong it, first and foremost as soon as you start bringing people together that don't want you to fight against mm-hmm. status quo that don't want you to fight against capital right and mm-hmm. look at who rachel maddow used to be for christ's sake you know yeah. before when she first started on air america fucking almost 20 years ago it was i mean she was i would i would say sam cedar is still who he always has been, not as left as us, but he stayed where he has been his whole career because he never got as high up as Rachel Maddow did. But when they were both in Air America, they were pretty much to the same point. They were they were fairly left wing liberals, still liberals, but um, you know, it's just been. I think you know, it's like the, the that line from Woody Harrelson from Cheers. He says, "I hope I never wake up rich." You know, <laughs> like that's kind of my my yeah. goal in life is I've never wanted to kind of have like a big, like, oh, I'm, I'm a big Instagram influencer now. Like I'm, you know, organizing fire. Like just imagine being one of those people pressing to me, <laughs> you know, and and I really have I've enjoyed working as a civil servant for the U.S. State Department. Uh, it's been good money. 
you know, it's, I'm still working class. I'm still barely above the poverty line, but it's decent work, decent money. Uh, I get to hold on to my values as being sort of an international social worker, helping immigrants get their passports, so on and so forth. Uh, and I just, I always want to, I guess, keep moving left. I feel like if you're not consciously trying to keep moving left, you will ultimately veer towards the center when all of the media is trying to get you to do that. So uh, that's our goal yeah. here on this show is to keep moving the conversation left, keep moving our politics left. Uh, and ultimately, if you look at where the public is, whoa, whoa, electrifying. Wow. <laughs> uh, I guess you didn't hear that. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little little zap there. I was just um, adjusting my mic, so maybe that's what was doing it. Yeah, if you look at where our, our values, our values, because we're value voters, on the left are, it's it's like 80% of the public wants a Green New Deal, 70% wants Medicare for all, 60% wants uh, tuition-free college. So uh, I I feel like that makes us centrists, right? When our yeah. policies and our values are that much in the middle of the country, you know, there was somebody was joking on, on uh, Twitter earlier this week. They're like, you know, I consider myself to be a centrist because on one side, I mean, there's anarchists and on the other side, I mean, there's communists. And I believe that both sides have valuable. <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, up. I, I can't disagree with that. I am a centrist when it comes to, uh, to that, to that accurate spectrum of working class, uh, political praxis. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we we pretty much covered everything I wanted to uh, touch on this week. Uh, not a crazy uh, news heavy week, but we we managed to uh, talk about a lot of things nonetheless. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That uh, helps us out a lot. Obviously, share out uh, the podcast and all your social media feeds. That helps us tremendously to get heard. Um, you can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash move left. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash move left idiots. Uh, if you want to support the show uh, monetarily, you can do that uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash move left. Uh, and we really appreciate all of our patrons that, you know, really helps us pay the hosting fees and keep the show going. Uh, Cause it's not cheap uh, to host this many hours of, uh, two white guys sharing their opinions that they think people want to hear um, for, you know, however many hours we've done this now. Uh, it's, it's actually very expensive to host that shit. So we really appreciate everyone that uh, supports our Patreon and, and things like that. Um, if you want to pick up any merch, uh, we have shirts and a couple other uh, merch items over at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. Um, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. And I'm at smut collector at Twitter. Uh, that's with a ER, not an OR. Yeah, you could. I, I, I know we've talked about this before, but it's so funny. You, you, you could just change it and never have to say it again, but you're, you're so obstinate about it. You're like, no, I'm just going to leave it. I don't care. Well, I, you know, I've gone through a few accounts. There was that big purge they had where they, they banned a bunch of our, uh-huh leftist comrades and um you know if you, if you change it around too often when it's an early account that'll get you tagged for a break you know breaking the twitter rules so they're like oh this is suspicious why are they changing the name so early so uh because of that typo i've just kept it and then at the end of every show i get to say with an er not an OR. thanks america yeah fuck you jack you suck yeah fuck uber and fuck jack 
<laughs> Although they did ban Laura Loomer, which was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. That was that was that was definitely a check in the in the in the good column for Jack. But other than yeah. that, I mean, yeah. it's great watching her still go berserk. I mean, I feel like uh, uh, they're ruining my the, life. The, yeah, it's like you haven't had the account for six months now. Like, what do you? You're, you know, if you're still she on was, the internet somewhere, you still have a life, I guess. Well, she was hysterical on, on InfoWars the other day about how, like, she's lost 90% of her income. And I'm like, well, maybe don't, you know, <laughs> set up an income stream based on being, like, a hateful fucking bigot who makes up, you know, insane conspiracy theories that get people death threats. Like, maybe that's not a great uh, stable uh, market for you to, you know, yeah. enter so into. Laura, Laura you're, you're super poor now. So, uh, you know, you might want to get on food stamps. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, have you heard of socialism? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, what's man. that? A living wage, fifteen dollars an hour. Laura, you could go work at McDonald's and get get ninety percent of your income back. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, I, I I never I never uh, enjoy that anyone is living in poverty. But if anyone deserves to live in poverty after the fucking suffering that they've caused, it's people like you know Laura Loomer and, and uh, Megan McCain. Yeah, Megan McCain. Well, oh, yes, how, how much McCain. how much income did she get from being on Twitter? You know, wh- where was that income f- coming from? Donations? Yeah, I th- I'm sure like Patreon and like just her spreading her bullshit, you know, propaganda and cover it. A lot, a lot of reporters sustain themselves on Patreon, a lot of independent reporters, a lot of people sure. who, who deserve to do that also, you know, people like Jordan uh, Sheridan now has to, you know, d- rely on, on Patreon. Sure you know donors because he well but if you're that forgettable that losing one social media platform means that (laughs) you you disappear from public consciousness you probably weren't that important to begin with (laughs) well i think facebook bad you too so she's really having a fucking meltdown you know it it was pretty it was pretty enjoyable to watch i'm not gonna lie um you know why don't you go chain yourself to twitter's headquarters again you fucking psycho all all they gotta do is get a get you know the coke brothers to Give them a, a you know half a billion dollars. Start up their own social media platform. They can you know be as racist and as xenophobic and is, homophobic as they want to be. People like her and Alex Jones, like they want that, and uh, that's what all right wingers crave is the kind of the Dave Rubin path where you you say really uh, horrendous shit that you don't believe and that you have no uh, intellectual backing for. So when you're challenged on it, you crumble. Like people like. Dave, uh, Dave Rubin and Candace Owens, but uh, people like Laura Loomer went like full fucking mental. So it's like they can't they I don't think they realize that they went way past the the realm of where even somebody like the Koch brothers or the Mercers would fund them. So like they're they're caught in this horrible, horrible like uh, purgatory where they can't uh, get any funding from the right wingers and they're considered like maniacs by polite society. So they they've kind of shot their wad for the rest of their lives when it comes right. to you know being and, and media half figures their, half of the reason why they rocket to the attention of anything is because they have to be in a public town square like twitter where there's lots of normies right if it's just yep. you know like if you look at uh, mastodon like that was a very <laughs> small subset of a small subset of people on there on the left and you know if you don't have access to a a, a huge public venue where do you draw new followers from? It can't just be your own one silo of one kind of person. So again, another reason why I think you're right that, that, you know, having, having 4chan and Reddit is bad enough um, as far as the, the uh, Pepe frog right winger fucks. But 
you know, making an even more right wing version of that wouldn't do anything to, to help their careers. Yeah. And good for that. Good for that. Yeah. Good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we, we handle all the plugs, so I think we're ready to get out of here. Uh, come back. All the plugs on Joe Biden's head. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's all natural. He, he, he just regrew a bunch of the hair on he just top. Regrew of his head. that gorgeous lion's <laughs> mane. Years. Hey ladies. Um, it, it, it's thin and, and fucking like rigid as straw. And if you touched it, it would probably crumble into dust, but it's totally natural. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, come back next week. Also uh, come back on Monday night where we will be reviewing the penultimate episode of game of Thrones. Uh, certain to be uh, an extravaganza. We won't say anything to spoil it, but I'm very excited to see any kind of potential battle I that mean... may ensue. Yeah, I, I've avoided the spoilers on that one. I've got some some good theories. There's one you shared with me that uh, yeah, there, yeah, there, there may be a surprise cavalry showing up yes, that nobody yes. anticipated. So that could be very fun. I mean, there's got there's, this show does all kinds of surprise cavalry showing up at the last minute. So it's just a question of who that it's surprise cavalry is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could be, it could, it could, there's like, like we should do like a top five. Uh, well, I guess we can't because by the time we do the the the, uh, the review, it'll, everyone will know it. We, we could do like a top five um, who we you know we'll predicted do? the cavalry was going to be this time. Yeah, I, I was going to say me. We'll, we'll just do our own. We'll do our own top five list and we'll share it on on Monday's episode and, and see if one of the ones that we predicted was the right one. Uh, that'll be that'll be what we'll do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, come back and join us for that. Uh, and if you're a fucking weirdo who doesn't watch Game of Thrones, come back and join us next Thursday. Uh, we will see you then.